Turning Point Coaching and Consulting presents Kairos Conversations, Connecting with Quality, the podcast. Kairos is Greek for the right time, the right season, and the right opportunity. This podcast features healthcare quality professionals who share their journeys, their advice, their struggles, how they made that transition into a new and exciting role. My heart's desire is that you find this podcast to be inspirational to you as you make your own journey. Don't forget to share this podcast with your colleagues and friends and rate us on whichever podcast platform you listen to. Thank you for being here. Today, I am joined by my next guest, Jennifer LaPierre. Thank you so much for being here, Jen. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to be here. All right. Let's start by introducing yourself to the audience. Yeah. So I'm Jen LaPierre. I am an occupational therapist by background. I have experience in skilled nursing, acute care, and pediatrics. And I worked clinically for about three and a half years. And I currently work as a program coordinator for a nonprofit that's healthcare related. Oh, cool. So I want to ask a question about that because I find more and more clinicians are leaving the bedside or leaving clinical care sooner than in the past. So kind of what prompted your transition out of clinical care? So I was really not loving either of my first two full-time jobs. I was experiencing a lot of burnout. And at the time, I didn't really realize the issues I was having were due to burnout. Like I I was having a really hard time sleeping. I felt physically exhausted almost every day, even if I didn't do anything physically taxing that day. And that led me to not wanting to do anything outside of work and just having a lot of issues with anxiety and dreading even going into the building each morning. So I, I was initially trying to figure out what I could do to change my mindset and how I could enjoy going to work and have less anxiety and just have better quality of life. And around that same time, a, a coworker of mine at the time told me about a social media group that she was a part of and how she was looking for other work opportunities outside of therapy. And that this page was a great resource. So joining that was a game changer for me. How did you decide what you wanted to do next? So it was definitely a process to decide what I wanted to do next. Looking through that page gave me a lot of ideas. And I think that's just kind of really what got the wheels turning. And I, I was like, wow, there is so much else out there that I can do with my clinical degree. And that was just kind of where this whole thing started. <laughs> so you said, okay, I want to, I'm burnout, even though you didn't really realize it at the time, you joined the social media group to figure out what was next. What excited you about the healthcare quality space? Yeah. Um, so I think my work experiences um, clinically as a therapist really ignited my passion for healthcare quality. So I was initially just looking through um, job openings and, you know, like, what can I do? And the things that interested me the most were all related to healthcare quality. And then I kind of put two and two together. And I was like, I guess that's why I'm so interested in it, because my work experiences definitely relate to that. And I really want to be able to make a difference in a different way. And I felt like by working in the quality aspect of things, I could make more of a difference than I could as a clinician. Yeah, absolutely. The thing I love about healthcare quality is that we have such a big picture perspective and we can still impact the patient, even though we're not directly with the patient. Um, and so I love that you said that. So 
from the time that you decided, okay, I want to do something else to the time that you landed your first non-clinical role or non-traditional role, how long was that? It was about 15 months. Okay. And did you encounter any barriers or any setbacks or was it a kind of smooth process for you or what did that process look like for you? There was definitely some barriers, a lot of rejection, a lot of doubt, a lot of you don't have the experience we're looking for. And, I, you know, I found that a lot of people don't actually know what we do in clinical healthcare roles and how dynamic and multifaceted our skills really are. You know, so I, I think a good way to frame this is to use it as an opportunity to let others know about all the transferable skills we have. Like managing a caseload of patients is absolutely comparable to account management. So like I prepared specific examples of ways that my clinical roles did relate to the non-clinical one. And I was ready to share those confidently during interviews. And I think that really helped with that piece of things. I love that um, because I talk to a lot of people who don't know how to make that connection. And I think it's because we've been so trained that this is a clinical skill set and not trained how it relates to other settings, other industries, all of that. Um, so what do you what do you do in your current role? Yeah, so um, I am a program coordinator and I support a verification program. And the premise of the program is to ensure that every child receives surgical care in an environment where the resources match their needs. So there's a set of standards that my organization develops that hospitals need to meet in order to become verified. And we do site visits to assess whether the site is meeting the standards. So it's, it's a pretty lengthy preparation process for the hospital. Um, and I work with the hospital and the site reviewers to facilitate and prepare everybody for the visit and try to make sure everything goes as smoothly as possible. And I just generally like support the hospitals throughout the application process. And I help them interpret the standards and explain the expectations. Again, so everything goes smoothly. I love that because I think a lot of people don't even know that roles like that exist, right? So how did you find a role like that? Did you use like a certain search term? Did you target a certain company? Now we're not talking about what company it is, but did you, were you targeting a specific company? Were you like, how did you know that that existed? So I actually found my current company because I have a friend who works here. And this friend used to work in a different kind of role and made a career transition and really liked working at this company. So that, that's how I found them. And I had an employee referral through her, which I think helped me to land the role. Oh, that's so cool. So what was the interview process like, if you can share? Yeah. Um, so the first interview was just like the screening interview with HR, where you go over like salary expectations and role expectations and general things like that. And then I had another inter interview with my current manager and the two other people on my team. And it wasn't like a really stressful interview process. They just asked me pretty standard questions, I would say. And then I had a follow-up interview with just the manager where she asked, I, I don't want to say intense questions, but I think it was a, a little more formal and serious. Like the, okay, if this, if this goes well, we're going to hire you. That's kind of where my mind was. And then I got the call. I think uh, maybe a week and a half later. Oh, so got, pretty quick turnaround. It was pretty quick, actually. So funny story. I actually, I applied to a different role at this company first. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get the role, but I guess they did like me. And the HR, like the really nice one from HR 
told me about a role that was not yet open. She was like, it's going to be posted in a week publicly, but if you apply like immediately, we can probably get the process going quickly. I'm like dancing over here. I know this is through the airway so people can't see me, but oh my gosh, I love that. So you, you had an in with an employee referral, but then you really connected with the HR person who told you about a role that wasn't even posted. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is fabulous. Talk about networking at its finest. Yeah, I learned a lot about networking. in this class. <laughs> So is your position remote, hybrid, on-site? It is hybrid. So I go into the office three times a week and I work from home the other two days, which I love. How do you like that back and forth? Because I know some people are looking for solely remote. Are there benefits to being hybrid? I think so. I I really like being hybrid because I I get to actually see my coworkers and other people on my floor a couple of times a week. And you get to actually really know these people on a personal level. And I think there's a lot of value to that. And just mental health wise, having something to get up and go do like having a place to be. Yeah. So compared to where you were before in terms of level of burnout and where you are now, what would you say like the difference is? I would say it's night and day. I mean, I don't consider myself burnt out at all in this role. You know, like I can I can leave work at work and it's great. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. Hi, friend. Are you listening to this podcast wondering how you can start your own journey into healthcare quality? Or maybe you've already started, but you're hitting some roadblocks and getting stuck at the application process. Well, my friend, I've got a free resource for you. After you finish listening to this episode, head on over to my website and grab the ebook, Top Three Mistakes Clinicians Make When Transitioning into a Non-Clinical Role. The link will be in the show notes section. Now, enjoy the rest of the episode. So what advice would you give someone else who wanted to walk in your footsteps or take a similar journey? I have have kind of a lot of things. I feel like I learned a lot in this process. So first, I just I want to highlight the grief process that I went through during this whole thing. Like when I was going through this transition, there wasn't a lot out there about the emotional and psychological side of this whole thing. And that was a really big piece of it for me. There was never a point in my life where I considered anything other than a clinical healthcare role. Like for me, it was just a matter of which graduate degree I was going to get. And I was very focused on that from the time I was really young. And it can just be such an overwhelming, terrible feeling to get out there and start working in your dream career and be miserable. And there's a process of grief and acceptance that you have to go through. And that can be really difficult. And I, I want anyone feeling like they want to make a career change to know that they're not alone in feeling lost and ashamed and regretful for all the time, effort and money we poured into this career. Like there, there really are a lot of other options out there. There's, there's also so much more to you as a person than your career path or your job title. Surround yourself with people who care about you as a person and support you on your path to a job and career that aligns with your needs and goals. Thank you so much. And I I want you to go into some more advice, but I just want to stop and just pause and just say, thank you so much for saying that, because I think that that's not talked about enough. And I like that you said it's a grief process that you just called that out because it really is. And the amount of money that we spend and the amount of effort that we put in having to know what we wanted to do at such a young age 
is so huge. I think so many people feel that way and may be ashamed to say it. So thank you so much, Jen, for just for calling that out and for saying that, because I think it's such a needed conversation. Yeah. And I kind of thought that when I was going through this, like there just wasn't a lot out there about that piece. So I think that's that's something that I really want to share. Yeah. Um, network. Tell the people in your circle that you're looking to go in a different direction. Um, you never know who they might know. And I learned through this whole process, never underestimate the power of connection. Yeah. So did you have other points of connection outside of the employee referral and HR that was beneficial to you in this process? Um, so not at my current job, but in general, during the whole process, I would reach out to people on LinkedIn. I had a lot of success with people who used to be a therapist or a nurse and getting a response. And they were usually very willing to share about their journey and what they did to get their current job. Yeah, I find that too, that people are willing to respond because they have been where you've been or they just want to see you succeed, even if they can't formally do something, just their encouragement or, you know, their words of advice is really helpful so that you don't feel alone when you're going through this process. Did you take any extra courses or certifications or anything like that for your current role? So the short answer is no. I did take um, the Success Hacker Client Success Manager Level 1 course, and I really liked it. I thought it was interesting and I learned a lot. But initially, I was like, wow, this is going to help me get a job. And employers are going to love that I have this on my resume. And it shows that I'm committed and dedicated. So I was kind of disappointed when that didn't happen. Maybe that was naive of me. I don't know. But it was more of a, that's awesome. But where's the tangible, quantifiable work experience to pair with it? So I I did take that one course. And I think it was interesting. But it did not help me get my current job. So what do you think contributed the most to your transition? I mean, I think my ability to highlight my clinical skills that were transferable was really key in getting this job. And I think just being persistent, be like not giving up because this is it is it's hard. Like I, I had to adjust my game plan based on the results I was seeing. Like this is really not a one size fits all thing. Like what worked for me may not work for somebody else and vice versa. Um, I really, I leaned on my support system. I tried to let other people help when it was offered. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who's been in the process for a few months and is frustrated because it's taken so long? I know that you share that it took you about 15 months. So what kept you in there to keep going? And what would you tell someone else who is midway through you know, the um, I would say I, I know it's not easy, but it's so, so worth it. Adjust your game plan, reach out to people who may be able to help. Like I said, you never know who they might know. But and I would just say like I like now being on the other side of it, I didn't realize how much I miss the parts of myself that are like driven and confident and cool under pressure and a little more carefree that were kind of slowly stripped away from me due to the clinical work environments. And, you know, working in healthcare, we know life is short. We see firsthand how everything can change in an instant. And there's a lot to be said for enjoying your life rather than just existing. And if going non-clinical is going to get you there, I 100% encourage you to go for it and not give up. I love that. So will you keep your clinical license 
Like, is your clinical license required for the job that you do? So it's not required, but I'm planning on renewing it. It expires in December of this year. Yeah, same. So, and I live in I live in Georgia, and our our licenses are up this year. And I'm going to continue to renew mine too, because I think not just can I quote unquote fall back on it, but I worked so hard to get it, I want to give it up. <laughs> Even though you know the CEUs, and one thing I will say to people out there, and you can tell me if it's the same in your state or not, but like healthcare quality courses or CEs can be counted in the state of Georgia towards our licensure. Oh, that's something I need to look into. Yes, because um, the state of Georgia recognizes us as more than just the clinician. They recognize us as an administrator, as an academician, as, you know, all of these different things. And so if the course takes you towards that end, then they're fine with it as long as you can, you know, show if you're ever audited how that ties in. Um, and the other thing is it does not have to be approved by our state board so or our state association. So it does not have to be approved by APTA Georgia in order for us to count it. So, for example, I took a course through the National Association for Healthcare Quality, and it's not approved by APTA Georgia, but I can still count it towards my licensure. So for anyone out there, check out your state, see what your state will allow. But more and more states, I'm sure, are seeing us as more than clinicians and all the other roles that we do. So I don't have to go back and take a stroke class just to keep my license. And I don't even, you know, treat patients that have had a stroke. So um, what was your defining point, Jen? I think I have a couple. The first one I mentioned a little bit earlier which was when I had that mindset shift after reading about others who had a therapy degree but had a different kind of job. I feel like that's the point where I was able to start my own process of kind of redefining success and not associating it with the job title that read occupational therapist. And the other one um, was when I, I publicly shared on my own social media that I wasn't working clinically anymore. And I went back and forth on that a lot but I'm really glad I decided to share. Like I got such an outpouring of positivity and and that was only a very small part of my story that I shared. And so that was the reason that I started sharing more on LinkedIn. And that led to me getting a lot of messages. And I mean, I've gotten messages from people I know through work, people I know through school and complete strangers. So I ultimately decided to share because I was like, if I can help even one person, it's worth it. And I already feel like it's extended far beyond that, which is so cool. And this is only the beginning. Oh my gosh, it is so only the beginning. You sharing your story even now is going to impact more people than you may ever know. Because sometimes people are listening, watching, taking it in, learning, even though they're not saying anything, because they're still figuring it out, maybe in their own head, and they're still trying to figure out what where their place is in all of this. And I am so confident that your story, your journey is going to inspire so many people. So how can people connect with you? Feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, if I can help you in any way, I'm more than happy to. Send me a message. I don't currently have any sort of paid content or anything like that, but I do have a lot of ideas. And this is something I'm really passionate about. So stay tuned. Yay. Just a little teaser for you all out there of what's to come. Um, Any parting words for the audience that you want to share? If you're thinking about making career change and you work in any kind of clinical healthcare role, feel free to reach out to me and 
there are a lot of other possibilities out there. All right. Well, I have really, really enjoyed our conversation, Jen. So I appreciate you for taking your time to talk to me and to share your journey with my audience and with, I will say, the world. (laughs) Um, So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the show. It would mean a lot if you would share this episode with a friend or a colleague. I would be honored to encourage them in their journey too. 